Let's start out by reading this verse. And we're in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For, I'm going to read out of this verse. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, in order to establish it with just judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our loving Heavenly Father, your God, it's an honor to be able to gather in your name today. God, we thank you for your word that you've given us as a guide. Lord, it's more than just a manual, dear Lord. It is an instruction book. It's a living word to us, dear God. It nourishes us. It strengthens us. Lord, it confirms your truth to us. And God, when we read your word, dear God, you illuminate and make it alive to us and help us apply it to our lives. So God, I pray that as we share your word today here together, God, that for each one present, it would become a personal experience. The Lord, that not one of us would leave this place without having some kind of encounter with you. The reality of our risen Lord, the reality of the Christ who came in the, in the form of man to reveal God to us, to demonstrate life to us, to express your love for us, and God, then to, to die in our place. Lord, but that wasn't the end, your God. You were resurrected to life, and you're seated on the throne in heaven. And God will give you all the praise and all the glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Are you ready for Christmas? <laughs> um, in a little moment of panic the other night, Cecile said to me, he said, David, I need some help. And so we sat down uh, around the table and pulled out our mobile devices and went to work, and within a little bit of time, we are anticipating boxes arriving tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you, Denise. <laughs> Denise has been staying very busy with that. But uh, anyhow, we're, we're so excited to be able to share Christmas with you this year. And, and again, may God bless all of us. I, I've been intrigued. There's so many different... Uh, stories that you can look at or different expressions about the Christ. We've talked already about, um, you know, during our Christmas party, we shared the story about the, the shepherds and the angels declaring glory to God in the highest and on peace, goodwill toward, on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. Uh, we shared that story, and there's other things we can look at. But what, what's been intriguing me is this story where it says, For unto us a child is born and a son is given. And it said the government will rest upon his shoulders. The government will be upon his shoulders. And uh, I don't know, uh, I'm sure we all share the same perspective, but if we sit and look around the world today, it really is amazing how much, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that are out of place in our society. Um, we're currently down in Johnson County, and the other day I pulled up, the Johnson County report on Facebook, and it, and it gives all kinds of information. Just a few weeks ago, uh, November 26th, 
um, there was some commotion on our street, and I went over to a, our neighbor and said, what's going on? And he said, well, there's four sheriff deputies down by the woods behind your house. And I said, what, what's up? They said, there's a fugitive down there at the woods that they've been looking for. Well, that's a little dramatic, you know. And uh, um, anyhow, it wasn't a quick story. They didn't, they didn't catch him. They said that he had been out there running some dogs down by the woods. Welcome to Johnson County. Um, but uh, they, he had taken off through the woods, and they saw him cut across another street, and it was going back and forward. And uh, um, about 10 o'clock that night, we'd been having some work done at the house, so I went outside. And as soon as I stepped out my door, a sheriff's deputy came flying into my yard. Uh, earlier that day, there'd been four cars drive through my yard to get to the backyard, and, and uh, just a little bit too much commotion for the neighborhood. Uh, but when he came flying in my yard at 10 o'clock at night, I just said, I, I'm the resident, okay? And he said, well, we just got a call that the guy had been seen in the neighborhood, and when I saw you move, I thought you may be the guy. So anyhow, <laughs> no, no, it's just me, <laughs> just little old me. But what ended up happening was the other day I got notification, somebody sent me something that on December the 13th, so we've gone from November the 26th to December the 13th. They had finally captured the guy on our street in an abandoned barn that somebody looked through a peephole in the barn and saw this uh, police officer looked through the barn and saw him sleeping in a sleeping bag with a shotgun beside him. And so he had been, been a fugitive in four counties and they had been looking for him. And I thought, you know, that's just way too much drama here for this Christmas season. I, I just don't care if that ever happens again. But the reality is when we look at society, there's things going on all the time. I'm sorry to see some of those news reports that come across where uh, either due to drugs that there's, there's death that happens or, you know, they're, they're finding people that are ensnared in some kind of drug addiction or thing like that. But there's really, there's real needs in our world. There's violence that happens by, both in our country and around the world. And it seems like that everywhere you turn, especially if you watch the news, that you see all kinds of calamity and chaos and, and things. You know, years ago, back in the frontier days, they had to worry about feeding their family and putting the house up and staying warm. They didn't have to worry about what was going on over in China or in Iran or Iraq or other places around the world. They had to deal with what was present and current. Now our lives get bombarded with all of the calamity from the, around the world. No wonder we deal with so much stress and so many stress-related things. We're not just caring for ourselves and caring for our family. We're, we're trying to carry the weight on, of the world on our shoulders, and we, we're not designed to do that. But this scripture says that there's, there's going to be a child born to us, a son. And I noticed that in, when I was reading one of the modern translations, it had a child and it had a son, no caps. When I went back to the New Living, uh, the, the New King James Version, it's got that capitalized as a designation. It's not just any child. It is the child. It's not just any son. It is the son. But he has been given. Can you imagine this Christ, this Jesus, coming from the royalty of heaven, seated on the throne of heaven? I can't comprehend it. I, I love, I mean, I love, my family will attest to the fact, I love a good nature show. They make fun of me about it, watching documentaries. And I was fascinated just within the last few days watching some of the, the beauty of, of the deep blue ocean and all the creatures that are in there and 
last night they showed something about the Red Sea, and I loved seeing all the, the beauty in the Red Sea. And I could really go on and really bore you to death with the details of things that I love about nature. One thing I saw, the acacia tree. The acacia tree can survive out in the desert because it can have roots that go, it said, 16, I mean, sorry, 18 meters deep into the ground. And just kind of multiply that by three and you get close to, to what that measurement is in, in feet. But that's, that's deep, and tapping, going down deep in order to find a water source down there in, in the very, very dry areas. Uh, God made a beautiful earth. He made a paradise. And when you look at it in light of all the rest of the planets, you know, we're doing this space exploration right now, and I know some of you are eager to sign up to go live on Mars one day <coughs> um, because you, you love dry climate. But, you know, they're doing exploration to see if we can, we can go live there. And there's been movies made about that. But really, when you start looking at creation and looking at where God positioned this earth in our solar system, if we were to wobble just a little bit further out in space, we'd freeze to death. And if we were to move just a little bit closer to the sun, we'd be burned to a crisp. Just the simple rotation of our earth in relationship to the sun is enough to change our seasons, that we go from a hot summer to a cold winter. I would hate to move further out into space and see what kind of effect that had on us. And then you start looking at all the beauty of creation, the trees and the flowers and the birds that fly and sing and the, the wonderful animals that God put on the earth. There really is such majesty displayed just in creation. And then God created man, the crown of his creation, the crown of his creation. Let us make man in our image, the Scripture says. But man fell. And so now, the corruption that you see in the world is not due to the natural aspect of creation. The corruption that we see in the world is due to man's nature and the loss because of sin of that image that God intended for us to manifest. What if everybody was loving? What if everybody was patient and kind? What if joy filled the hearts of every man and woman and child? What if there was long-suffering and kindness? What if we really did manifest, you know, those, those things that I'm listing off there are called the fruit of the Spirit. That is the fruit or the nature or the character that should be manifest in every man, woman, and child that's walking in relationship to God. It is the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit that's, that's produced when we walk in relationship with God. That's what God, God's intent was, but that's a far cry from what we see demonstrated throughout mankind in the earth. When I was reading this passage now, I'm just going to tell you, I, I said I went to my old faithful Bible. Uh, when I go uh, to this Bible, it looks like I enjoy coloring. I specifically was doing a study of, of uh, Isaiah several years ago, and I took out all my colored markers and uh, highlighters and went through, and I marked sections that that in pink that dealt with judgment or God speaking of things that were wrong with humanity. And I marked with, with green things that were exciting and promise, full of promise. And I marked with, with uh, orange areas that were focused on the kingdom of God and the establishing of his kingdom. So for me, when I read that, 
Um, it's got a visual representation as well as the words that are written. But you come to this passage right here in, in chapter 9, and there's this hopeful passage of promise. And right here is the verse we read this morning about the Christ child being given and about him establishing his government on the earth. And then if you notice, you go to the next passage, and all of a sudden in what looks like a passage of hope, all of a sudden you see all this that's speaking about woe and judgment and the corruption of mankind and and. and the reality, folks, is God is not distant and unaware of what going, what's going on on the earth. God knows about the, the sin and the pain and the difficulty. There's a lot of people that, and, and, and I know myself, sometimes you see what's going on and you say, but why, God? God, why don't you fix it? Why don't you do something about evil? Why don't you do, it, do something about these hateful people that are doing all this wrong in the earth? And the reality is he did. Before you ever come to the passage that's marked up, with all the woe, God had already given the promise of a child. God started out in relationship with man, and he intended to forever be in relationship with man. We're not supposed to be separated from him or distanced from him. It was man's decision that separated himself from God. It was man's sinfulness. God had already given the warning, look, you can have all of this creation, all of these trees, enjoy your relationship with the animals, and all of my creation is yours. Just there's only one thing I ask because man was created with the free will. So there always had to be some kind of marker. And the one thing that God put in place, he said, just don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But just like every child would know, don't eat the cookie from the cookie jar. You can have all kinds of things around the, the kitchen, but that cookie jar is sitting there, and they said don't. And somehow we've got to look in there and see what's in that cookie jar. And then it smells good, looks good. I'm going to stick my hand in and grab one. And that's human nature. But God already had a plan in place, and that was to restore mankind. A society that doesn't have laws cannot sustain itself. It will end up falling apart. It says here that, that on this, it says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. I, I went back and, and looked at that word, and the word for government there is misra in, in uh, Hebrew. And it literally means, it's, you know, it, I, I wish I could tell you some deep revelatory meaning, but it, it, it really it's talking about his rule or his dominion or his government. It's talking about there being a system in place, an understanding of how life should be, some guidance and some, some governance of, of how mankind should live and how things should be put in place. In New Testament language, we would put the word kingdom in that place. How do you define a kingdom? A kingdom is really the scope of someone's rule. A kingdom is the domain or the kingdom where... The people that are in that area are under the leadership or the, the governess of, of the sovereign. We talk about uh, in, New, King, uh, in uh, New Testament language, it says that Jesus came and preached repentance. And, he's rep and he preached, he said, repent. And then he also preached about the kingdom of God. The only remedy for mankind's situation is that we recognize that we cannot do this on our own. Now... Um, in society, uh, there's been a huge attempt in society to replace God and to move God out because man considers himself smart enough to rule himself without God. 
But what you find throughout creation and throughout millennia of man's rule is that, that when man rules without the standards and principles of God in place, you find that it ends up coming down to man subjecting man, man dominating man, man subjugating mankind. It ends up that some gain and some lose. Some are suppressed and some are elevated. Some take advantage and eventually they find themselves looking down on the others, despising the others and seeing them as only tools to be used and there's no valuation. The kingdom of God's not like that. In God's kingdom, God established that every man, woman, and child is created in the image of God. Every life is to be valued. In the scripture, God sternly commanded that you should not kill mankind. You should not murder someone. And even says that the, the blood that was spilled on the, on the ground, he told, he told uh, Cain that his, his brother's blood was crying out to him. It was calling for justice. Something had to be done because there had been a life taken. Jesus said the life, I mean, the scripture says that life was in the blood and God values mankind. He values that life. And when this passage that I was just telling you about where it talks about the woes and the corruption that was throughout the earth and all the things that were going on, really what you find that God begins to react to, he says, he talks about they rob the needy of justice and they, they take what is right from the poor of my people, that widows may be their prey and that they rob the fatherless. God was mindful of the fact that those that were needy in society, that those had, that had lack in society, that those who were defenseless, and he decided to step in and do something about it. He was not tolerant of it. And he said that he would be judging those who were the leaders and those had the power that God would step in and bring judgment against them. God desired to restore his order, so he sent his son to bring government. He sent his son to establish his kingdom. Government is necessary for the existence of a civilized society. Right now, more than any time that I've ever known in history, there is a move to throw off law and to throw off any kind of, of, of system of government. There's a real move to lawlessness in our society and around the world. It's just becoming a mob rule. Really, they just don't want to be restrained. They don't want to be confined any kind of, any kind of way. Now, there is a righteous appeal to authority when things are not done the way they should be. But when there's no rule of law in that appeal, it just becomes anarchy. Lawlessness is when there's no rule of law. And let's go. We're gonna, I'm going to turn over to uh, a, a passage I want you to see. I'm going to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2 says this in verse 10. It says, he is especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desire and who despise authority. Well, one translation says government. These people are proud and arrogant, daring even to scoff at supernatural beings without so much as trembling. If, you would, if you're interested in learning, because they're, they're really, I, I've been, uh, I've spent some time studying this and, and I've even spoken of it here and, but there's this powerful move towards lawlessness in our, in our society, the throwing off of any kind of thing that feels like a, an imposition on the willfulness of mankind. We cannot exist as a society, we cannot exist as a people just being willful and doing our own thing. 
because eventually it turns into taking someone else's rights and taking someone else's things and stealing from somebody else something that, that, that they dearly love or care for because we are, we are feeding our own sinful nature, our own trying to gratify ourselves, and we end up taking advantage of other people in the process. Really, the ideal of a, a noble humanity without there being a God relationship involved ends up corrupting itself in time. There are very good people that I know that they're very good, but they don't have a relationship with God. And I appreciate their goodness, but I will tell you, even though they may be good, there's another person out there that doesn't know God does not. And you can have good intentions towards people all you want, but somebody somewhere is going to take advantage of it. Someone somewhere will end up, if you don't have laws established in your, nature, in, in your nation or in the world, someone somewhere is going to impose their will on somebody else. So Jesus came as a benevolent Lord, someone who intended to do good for people. He wanted to, to, bring, and to bring restoration to mankind and restore us to the way that, that he saw that we could live at our, at our best. There's, if you want to read more about the man of lawlessness, look, just read that chapter on 2 Peter chapter 2. The whole thing deals with the corruption of mankind and, and the consequences that came along with us. It says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, not too far away from there, Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come, speaking of the day of the Lord, until there's a great rebellion against God. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. So the scripture speaks of a day here, and, and uh, there's a whole lot more that we can, I can read. I'm trying not, well, I may spend some time with that in just a little bit. But it speaks of a man of lawlessness. There is a spirit that's going to be raised up in the earth that's going to throw off restraint. And I believe we see the manifestation of that in our society right now. Throwing off any kind of restraint, any kind of demand, any kind of expectations put on me. I don't want to have it. I'm not going to let you tell me how I'm going to live my life or what I'm going to do. Why are you trying to impose your standards on me? It says here about this man of lawlessness... And there's a spirit of lawlessness that goes through creation as well. It said, he will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God. And every object of worship, this lawless spirit will, will defy every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Don't you remember, this is Paul writing, what I told you about all this when I was with you? And he says, and you know what is holding him back. For he will be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly. It will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. It says, and then the man of lawlessness will be revealed. But the Lord will destroy him or will kill him with the breath of his mouth. And destroy him by the splendor of his coming. says he will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them so i know that we've got people in our in our family here and and across society what's our response what's our response when we see a society deeply in need 
What's our response when we see our family members who may be struggling with things that they're having a hard time breaking free from or things that they're not willing to break free from? Folks, we need to be consistent in being, if we will be consistent to what we were created for and manifest the image of God and the nature of God to them, that's all we really can do. Man has a right to make a decision, and we cannot change people. Some of us, I know, get frustrated and tired because we're doing our best to change people. All we can do is be Christ to them, live consistently the way Christ would. You cannot change the will of man. We weren't designed to do that, but we were designed to manifest the nature of Christ. So what's the answer? We saw last week about Noah. And how Noah's dad made a proclamation about him. He said, maybe, you know, here's the one who will bring us rest, will bring us relief from the curse. And Noah ended up creating a sanctuary that preserved the animals and preserved his family, but all the rest of mankind was lost. He was not fully able to accomplish what needed to be done. And then two weeks before that, well, not really because we had a snow day, the, uh, uh, two weeks when we were meeting before that, so the first week, I believe, in December, we, we saw about the Christ child and how there had been an angelic proclamation about the hope that would come through the Christ. Finally, there was a declaration that glory to God in the highest, the angels were so excited about it, they came and declared to the, the shepherds, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. Where man was only um, the only real reward that man deserved at that time because sin, sin had not been remedied was that there was death and destruction because of the wages of sin is death but with the coming of the christ child there was a hope that peace could be restored between god and man and so the angels declared it peace on earth goodwill toward man that meant that between god and man there could be goodwill there didn't have to be a fear of punishment After Jesus' death and resurrection, there was no more need for the sacrifice in the temple. Man didn't have to pay for his sin anymore. His sin had already been paid for. So the angels proclaimed. And then the shepherds came, and they, after they saw the Christ child there laid in the manger, they went out and told everyone that they could see about this child that they had seen. And then we saw just a few weeks ago how Anna in the temple, the prophetess and, and Simeon, were in there, and they both saw the child, and they were excited and, and felt like now their life was complete, and they could, they could go on to their rest. Hope had come. Where does our hope come from? Our hope comes from the Lord. Isn't it interesting that in Colossians we find that scripture that says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because God's desire, God's intent was that this hope that was bundled up in a manger so many years ago, and bless his heart, but this representation needs some help. (laughs) That's a precious baby (laughs) to someone. (laughs) That's not a pretty baby. But the hope that was bundled up on that Christ child that the angels were proclaiming and that the shepherds were heralding and that those wise men came all that journey to be able to see that king that was being born. That hope that was bundled up there that 
after he was raised and became a man and after he walked through the earth and, and gave the story of, of, of God and how he wanted to, to draw us back into relationship with him and, and taught us how to live. And he, he demonstrated life the way God intended for it to be, caring and loving and, and correcting where correcting was needed, but correcting to draw people back. And he walked in relationship with his disciples and then and he gave his life for us. And he already made the declaration, I've got to go. I can't stay here. I've got to go because if I go, then my Father will send the promise to you. I'll send the Holy Spirit to you. So he gave himself to the cross, to the suffering and the pain. He gave himself to that event so that he could pay the price for our sinfulness. But it wasn't the end of the story because on the third day, he was resurrected and he showed himself powerful over death, hell, and the grave. And then after 40 days, he went to go be seated at the throne of his Father in heaven, waiting the time of restoration when he would come back. But in his interim, he... You know, the difference between a sovereign and a regent. Do you know the difference between a sovereign and a regent? A sovereign is the one who is the ruler the one who is in place, the one who is the authority, the one that carries the weight of government. A regent is one who is set in place to rule while the sovereign is away. God left his people in the earth to be here to extend his authority and to, to, to reign in his place. Now, when I make that statement, I know for some of us that reigning in his place, for some of us, is an exciting type of thing. And for some of us, it causes us to think, well, who do you think that you are? Or who do they think that they are? Or that doesn't feel like my life. But God's intention is for us to walk in the power and authority that he gave us and to demonstrate his kingdom. Because, okay, let's go back and reframe or, or, or recharacterize the kingdom of God. The only kind of kingdom that we know is really a bordered kingdom, a bordered territory or domain in which there are laws that are established, hopefully just laws. In a lot of places there are unjust laws, but there are laws in place that impose rules of the people in that place that if you break these rules, there's judgment for you, there's imprisonment for you, there's penalties for you, there's punishment for you. So sometimes, hopefully, benevolent le leaders are in place. In our nation was unique that we could elect our, our leaders. Um, um, some folks say hallelujah and some folks say oh me. When it comes to, to leaders, there's always a godly requirement that, that leaders be just. And you can see God's frustration with leaders when they're not just. In Scripture, God's not distant or, or un, unknowing when it comes to, to leaders that don't do the right thing. But really, man's government is an imposition, usually a bordered domain, in which the rules of that government are in place. And within that place, people choose to obey or not, obe not obey. But the kingdom of God's not necessarily like that, because the kingdom of God... Every kingdom has to have some type of domain or some kind of definition, some kind of parameter of scope. But the kingdom of God is 
not limited by a border. Most kingdoms throughout the earth, you talk about the Egyptian uh, kingdom, the pharaohs, and how long they lived, their dynasty. You talk about the dynasties over in China for thousands of years that were there. You talk about nations. How long has the United States been a nation since 1776? We're pups compared to some of the nations and how long that they've been around. I'm glad we're around. Um, But there's been other nations that have existed for a long, long, long time. But they're still bound by time. You'll find that there are nations that existed powerfully. How many of you think of Portugal as a world power? You barely, I mean, no offense to the Portuguese, but you barely hear about Portugal, at least in our society. But at one time, they were a, a world power with regards to trade and their, their um, armada, their, uh, their ships that went around the world, some of the greatest explorers of the world. We know about the Spanish Empire and how it spread out all around the world, and we know about the British Empire and how they spread out around the world, how a little nation like that could, could have an empire that the sun never sat on is, is just amazing. But all of these great empires that, we, that at the time when they were in place probably seemed invincible and seemed like they would last forever, over time they diminish or they fall away or they're conquered. Nebuchadnezzar in all his might and the, the Medes and Persians in all of their might of the day and the Greek empire and all its might and the Roman empire and all of its might they all diminished and went away. And now there's just remnants of it and ruins and museums and statues that are left. But it's said of the kingdom of God, it's an everlasting kingdom. There is no end. It's an eternal kingdom. That's prophesied right here. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. There will be no end. So the kingdom of God, unlike the other nations of the world and the other kingdoms that existed in the earth, it is unlike them in that there is no time scope to that kingdom. The time scope, if you were to define one, is eternal. It will last forever. It also is not bordered by a physical border. There is no place where you can say this is his kingdom, but this is not his kingdom because it's outside of the scope of his reach. He has no authority in that place. The reality is the kingdom of God exists in the hearts of men. If you are a part of God's kingdom, his kingdom exists wherever you go. His word exists wherever you speak. His authority is wherever you exert authority. You speak life into every life that you come in contact with. We're ambassadors of that kingdom. He's given us his authority so that we can act if you can take hold of it as his regents. In the earth, one who sits in authority while the sovereign's not here. We've been granted authority to act on his behalf and to share life with the people we come in contact with, to extend his, his kingdom. I know that, that uh, we're familiar as a church at, with uh, Lance Wallnow. <clears throat> That's the only Wallnow I know. I've never heard of another Wallnow. But Lance Wallnow and his seven mountain strategies that he is the current voice sharing about these things. But preceding him, there was uh, Bill Bright 
Lauren Cunningham, even, even Pat Robertson established uh, Regent University based on those principles. That there are certain avenues of influence in a society, certain avenues that there must be to establish a strong nation, certain things that need to be influenced in a nation. And uh, I pulled up something in from, this is from God's, from, it says Generals International, but seven mounts of societal influence. And the reason why I'm speaking to you about this is because mistakenly we have thought that buildings like this are the place where the church exists. These are the gathering places of the church. But we, his people, are the church. And his church and his kingdom exists everywhere where we put our feet. Everywhere we, we voice his opinion. And folks, if we talk about our society, if we talk about our nation, if we talk about the wrongs in the world and never talk about what God put in place and what God desires for our society, what God desires for the hearts of mankind, if we never express the will of the kingdom of God, if we never express what Christ did to die for mankind and to restore fellowship between heaven and earth, then we are failing in our job as regents. So I'm not saying that to browbeat you. I am saying that to energize you and let you understand you walk the earth with authority and power. If you release the words that God has spoken, if you share what God spoke in his word and his declarations, I want to tell you that you speak those words with the same authority of heaven, just like when an ambassador to another nation takes an edict that's come from, from our government and, and shares with that government, that nation said, this is what our government has declared. This is what the United States of America has said. He carries the same authority as the government of the United States when he puts that paper on that table or expresses that to those people in that nation. In the same way, when we take God's word and speak his word, Speak those promises. What are the promises of God? The promises of God, as we find them in His Scripture, are the expressions of God's will. It is the way that God wants it to be. We need to express those things so people can grab a hold of them with their hearts and believe in them and trust in them, and we release God's authority. So let me go back and just, I want to say, I want to say this because we need to be aware of this. Folks, we don't need to sanitize the church into the building. I don't know if that's the way to say that. I don't, that's not the way I want to say it. We don't need to corral the church. We don't need to limit the church's scope and influence to this building. If you wonder why your spirit life feels hollow, because we can come here and have a good experience and just go out and, and then we go through our regular life, what we experience in the house of God should be expressed out in the world. What the encounters that we have here should transform our lives and the lives of people that we come in contact with. So can I take just a moment? I'm going to touch on some areas where there needs to be godly influence in our nation. These are the greatest areas of influence that, that, that bring about, either for good or for bad, but, but influence our society. Number one, religion influences and impacts society at large. And when we're talking about religion, we're talking about the religions of the world, okay? 
Around the world, religion has some of the strongest influence on what happens in the nations around the world. We see theocracies around the world where, where nations are, are religion-ruled. Iran would be a nation like that, okay? There are theocracies around the world where the edicts that come down through the religion controls everything that goes on. In our nation, in the founding of our nation, we did not have a theocracy as a... It was not a religious group that was giving commands on this is how it should happen. What we did have was a scriptural foundation to our nation. There were principles that were so deeply entrenched with our, our founding fathers and those who came to look for religious freedom in leaving the nations that they were leaving from that there were fundamental under, underpinnings to, to our nation that... Um, that for a lot has been eroded away over time. I just want to state this, even though it's, it's commonly known, but folks, a lot of us, it's my age and older, that when we think about um, Sunday school stories and things like that, they're pretty much integrated into our system. Most of the people of our age know the Bible story about, about the Christ child coming. They know about David and Goliath, and they know about... Moses and things like that. And when you use that terminology, it's a common thing. But I want to tell you, there's a lot that are, are growing up today, even into their adulthood now, that have never had the influence of the church. They don't know those stories. It's a, a wrong supposition on our part to think that they even have that concept in the fiber or the fabric of their being. They've never been taught. They've never heard. They don't know those stories. Those fundamental things need to be a part of their understanding again. Religion can be a binding and destructive thing to a nation, but it can also be a strong foundation. And we should not hold back from exerting its influence. It's, it's, it is a misquoted thing that says that there should be, you know, from Thomas Jefferson, where it says that there should be separation of church and state. It was not his intention in that. You can see from his other writings that, that God was a part of his concept of understanding. I'm, I'm not going to focus totally on religion. But there needs to be a strong influence through the religious community of our church. And, and folks, our nation is changing. I know some people might not like me saying this. And, you know, I've lived around the world. I've been in, in uh, contact with other nations. But in, in our nation, um, um, I think we're going to face a lot of things in the near future. Things, things have shifted and changed a lot in our, our nation. I'm trying to get back on point here. I had an experience just the other day, and this is what, what's on my mind. But it really kind of, I, I went to a local establishment, and I was purchasing food from the food vending aspect of that, of that uh, business. They have other parts of the business. I'm trying to be vague. I'm not going to mention who they are. But I went down to a, it's a local, local business. And part of that business is where they sell food, okay? And somebody came in there, and I, I overheard them when I was walking in, and they were talking, oh, yeah, I know him. I used to buy drugs from him. And I, are you really just talking about that right out in public in the, in the store? And then that same individual turned to the lady working in the food section and said, where's your, where's your beer? And that lady who... In other words, her business rents space in this, this, this store. And she said, oh, they don't sell alcohol here in this store. Um, and they don't sell pork. 
And I thought, wow, okay, that's a strong, a strong uh, stance that they're making in that store. There's all kinds of other paraphernalia for sm smoking, all kinds of other things in there, uh, recreational things. <clears throat> but they don't do alcohol and, and don't do pork. Now, I was with my brother. Also, when I was leaving that store, I walked over there, and there was a, an empty rack right by the doorway that said, free, Quran. And it was empty. They were all gone. So I'm thinking, okay, there's an influence in the community here. They're making a stand with regards to alcohol. They're making a stand with regards to pork. I don't understand about all the drug paraphernalia. Maybe people smoke cigarettes through different kind of devices. But um, anyhow, but they also are, are, are propagating into the society the Quran, giving away the Quran freely. Now, I remember several years back, I was traveling with my brother who, when he was alive and healthy, was, was a missionary to a, a Middle Eastern country, and he spoke fluent French and fluent uh, uh, Arabic. But he went into this convenience store south of us, down 95, and he walked in there and walked right up to the counter and, and started, you know, we're talking about southern U.S., North Carolina. My brother walked up to the counter and started speaking Arabic to this guy, and the guy's in shock. Um, but in the conversation... My brother asked him, he said, are you Islamic? And the guy, yes, I'm Islamic, you know, like this. And, and then my brother said, well, you're not a very, you must not be a practicing Islamic person. And, and the guy frowned at him. He said, you're selling alcohol. And the guy just hung his head. And I'm like, I don't really know this guy, you know. Um, I mean, I thought he was being pretty, uh, pretty bold with, with the guy who was, the, the, uh, who was running the store. But the guy really hung his head in shame because a part of their religion that's not supposed to be something they're involved in. Um, 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 but folks, there are influences in our nation today that years ago would have seemed strange to us, and now it is so common. I'm talked about Islam, but that's just one. There are many influences. You know, back in the '60s, it was the introduction of Hinduism that came into the nation, and now. Throughout our society, there are things that are so have influenced so much that we don't even recognize it being being different um, or, or being being uh, different to what our normal culture is. There are people that deeply believe in reincarnation, which came from Hinduism. There's people, there are other kind of fitness practices and things like that that are associated with them that really in Hinduism are a part of channeling of the energies, the Kundalini energy, and different type of things. And uh, um, I was looking at an establishment the other day, and just without any hesitation, they were talking about the third eye and things like that. And, and I thought, that's just Hindu, Hindu culture right there. But it's integrated in our society. And, you know, there are things that at one time as a nation or as believers here in this nation, we might would say, well, that's those people over there. We've got this physical border or these boundaries that we don't have to worry about that because that's another problem for another place. Well, it's not another problem somewhere else anymore. It's here. So I know for some of us that is, well, what's the big deal? And for some of us, it's a lot of angst, like, well, how are we, you know, what are we supposed to do there? They're coming. No, they're not coming. They're here, okay? I want you to know that from a biblical standard, if you look at Paul's day, Paul wasn't afraid of those other religions. He wasn't afraid of the different viewpoints. What he was intent on was understanding that the Christ that we have 
is needed by those cultures and those people. So we can sit here and withdraw and, and come into our shell and hide away like a hermit crab and want to stay, I want to stay sanitized from those influences of the world. Or we can understand that God left us here on the earth with a purpose, that the Christ inside of us is more than enough. If we don't just try to have an ideological argument, but what we do is express the life that he's given us. If we live it, go down to that business and have a conversation with that person and say, you know what, I want to pray for God to bless you just so that you can see that he does. I want to pray for that God to touch your family. Do you have someone in your family that needs prayer? Let's pray for them together. Extend the kingdom of God by sharing the kingdom of God. Share the life that he gave. We don't have to be intimidated and afraid like we are somehow anemic or weak. This is the kingdom of God that we represent. We're authorized. We've been given authority. We've been given power. We've been given the anointing. We've been given the word to go by. What we need to do if we are cowering and afraid is to learn the kind of God that we serve. We need to rediscover who he is. Have you lost the zeal? Have you lost the excitement? Have you lost that dynamic that makes us different? Let's dig in. I really am, don't want it to preach very much longer, but let me just share with you these mountains of influence since I've only gotten through one. But there are several areas, and the reason why these became poignant to me was, folks, in every area, believers, we need to be actively involved. Now, you may look at your current life and where you are right now, and you say, well, that's, that's where I work, or that's where I live, or that's a place where I am. Well, understand that you're there intentionally by the Lord. Don't miss the opportunity to extend His kingdom in your relationships to the people there. With regards to family, so we have religion, one area of influence. The next one is family. In your household... Make sure that the children in your household are getting instruction in God's Word. Make sure that they're learning how to pray, not just that they're being prayed over, but that they're learning how to pray. Make sure that in your extended household, when you get together with family, that you take time to pray, that you take time to speak of God and what God's done. Through our families, family is the, 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 the building block of a strong nation. No wonder that the family has come under such attack in recent years. The stripping away of these areas of influence, the stripping away of religion is an influence, or the watering down to the point that it's of no, no influence. The stripping away of the family. Um, without pointing fingers, I, I know that, I, that someone had shared with me about how one of, their, one of the children had gone to, to school and, and gone off to college, and one of their classes that they were being taught was marriage and the family, which sounds wonderfully exciting. We want every uh, young person to have that influence and that instruction, except that in the college that they were going, there was nothing about marriage as we know marriage and nothing about family as we would think was a godly model for, for family. Everything was, uh, was uh, abortion and, and all the, the things had to do with alternative lifestyles and experimentation. There was nothing about what we would consider a nuclear or traditional family. All the instruction was alter opportunities. Other strong influence is media. Huge influence. We've seen that through the elections and there's all kinds of talk about it and I don't know if they're accomplishing anything. 
But the imposition of voices speaking into our hearts and our minds what they want us to think. The arts and entertainment. You know, I just want to say this. Um, the enemy would love to influence people into doing things that, that uh, we know would be a corruption to our being. Well, for some of us, we would never... When I was six years old, I stole something from a little African boy. It tears me up to this day. I was at an African church, and this little boy came up, and he had a magnet. And I took his magnet. I was playing with it, and I don't even know that I actively knew what I was doing. But we were playing with it together, and then when it got time to leave, I had the magnet. And driving away, my brother said, David, why, where'd you get that magnet? I said, I got it from a little boy. Well, you didn't give it back to him? I said, no. Well... I hate the fact that I had that. If I had that magnet, Eddie, I'd give him 100 magnets today if I could. <laughs> I can't find him. <laughs> I hope that I didn't frame an attitude in his mind about what church was like or, you know, what those people are like. But I, I had the magnet. I ended up with the magnet. I, I, whether I knew what I was doing or not, I can't, it's so long ago, I can't even really tell you, but I ended up stealing from, from him. <clears throat> but through our, what I'm trying to get to, Ben. <laughs> I'm trying to get to the point that there's a lot of things that we would never do. I would never intentionally steal something from someone. I would never intentionally, out of anger, kill someone. I would never intentionally do that. If someone was trying to defend or hurt my family, I would probably stand up to them and, and do my best to stop what they were trying to do. But my intention would not be in any kind of way to harm, harm to, to do harm to anybody. I would I thank the Lord for my wonderful wife. But I'm looking for her. I don't see her. <laughs> um, um, but, you know, I, I would not want to in any way kind of harm her. I wouldn't want to do anything illicit or outside or, or mistreat her in any kind of way or, or be involved with someone else that brought harm to my relationship or my family. But folks, there are a lot of things that we would never physically do. We would never even want to entertain those thoughts. Or if a thought came to our mind, we would be quick to expunge it from our mind. But through entertainment and the arts, we involve our mind in observing things that should not be. And so the influence of those things, the emotional going through the motions of it and things like that, we, we visually see it. And, and I, I trust that we're not allowing ourselves to be softened to activities that we shouldn't be involved in or becoming so familiar with them that maybe we don't, don't see the offense of those sins. They're influences. They're influences. Another area of influence is, is business. Business, I've got a definition here, the ability, as though we, we need one, but the ability to literally create wealth through ingenuity, enterprise, creativity, and effort. And it's a God-given gift. All around the world, it's been amazing to me to see little African children that would be out there selling candy or selling something, they, they, creativity. I, I, you know, we always look at, at, I mean, my experience has been in Africa for the most part, but to see people that are in, in poverty. But folks, if you could be there, they may not have all the opportunities we have, but if you could see some of the creativity and their willingness to do with what they have, those, those little African kids would take old scrap wire and make a little wire car with a long stick in it that they could 
drive with a steering wheel up here and walk down the road and little wire wheels are turning and they could steer that thing going down the road. I couldn't do that. But they had the ingenuity to be able to do that. They just didn't have, didn't have the opportunities. But business and that kind of mind is a, a gift from the Lord. But the, the, the challenge is that it's also something that's easily corrupted. Folks, if you're in the business world, there are people who will take advantage of you if you're given the opportunity. There's people that will overcharge you or there are people that won't pay you. There are people who will undercut you. There are people who will try to steal your designs. We've got something big in the news right now with an uh, executive of a, of a telecommunications company that is, has been arrested because of the fact that her company, is, they say, has been involved in, at least allegedly been involved in espionage, stealing secrets using the digital communication. How much more influence, if you are a Christian business person or you're involved in business, how much more important it is that you are careful to let your business and your activities and the way you run your business run in such a way that it demonstrates God's rule, God's reign, the kingdom of God. I'm not, I don't want to go any further. I think, I think we've shared enough, but I just wanted to say this. God sending Jesus as a child is not just so that we had some kind of heartwarming story to tell on, on Christmas morning. Jesus came to be a remedy for mankind. He came to set things back in order, to reestablish God's kingdom. God's kingdom is not bound by man's will or man's time. God's will is not bound by man's organizations and whether they do it right or don't do it right. The kingdom of God exists beyond the realm of man. The kingdom of God exists outside the scope that we can touch, and it is eternal. God gives us the opportunity to be a part of his kingdom by the decisions that we make in life. And if we make a decision to receive this Christ child and what God accomplished through him, through his death and his resurrection, we also need to make a decision to let his rule and his reign govern how we live our lives. Folks, it is not an imposition. It is freedom. It sets us free to be the people that God called us to be. So my, my desire, my prayer for you is that you would take thoughtful contemplation of where you are today, whether you've been living for the Lord or not, if you are a believer and you've been serving the Lord, if you embraced him and you received his salvation, I trust that you would understand that God left you here to be a voice and a proclamation. God left you here to be a living demonstration of his character and his nature, that through you, you can effectively operate in the earth and share Christ with the people you come in contact with. Let your character let your nature demonstrate that there's something different about you from the rest of the world. Extend yourself beyond what is required. Extend yourself to show love and joy and peace and long-suffering, kindness, mercy. And if you don't know him, my prayer is that you would embrace him 
that you would come to know him. If there's questions that you don't understand, if there's questions that you have, find someone that you could ask those questions to. But I can tell you this, you can trust him. And for those of us who've walked with Christ and know him, I can tell you, he is a good God and he loves you. Would you stand with me? And we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to bow your heads this day. I want to give an opportunity for anyone who might be here today that doesn't, has not received Jesus as their Savior. We didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about his death and his, the suffering and all that he, he meant to accomplish here on the earth, but I can tell you that he loves you. And if you've been searching for meaning to life and didn't know how or why all the pieces were supposed to fit together, I can tell you that there is a reason God intended for us to walk in relationship with him. But if you don't know him and you want to know him, it's as simple as you're believing that Jesus, who Jesus is, the Son of God, and that he died on the cross to save you from your sins, to, 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 to take your place, and that he's come to give life to you and to give you life eternal. So if that is your position today, if you would like to make that commitment to the Lord, I'm going to raise my head and I'm going to ask you all to keep your heads bowed. But if that's you and you would like to give your life to the Lord, would you just raise a hand and let me know that, that you would like to give your life to the Lord? Praise your name, Jesus. I'm going to ask everybody that's here today who is a believer to pray with me. I'm going to pray. You don't have to pray out loud, but just make a commitment in your own heart that as we approach this new year and going through this Christmas season that we would endeavor and, and make a commitment in our hearts to let Christ be closer to the center of our heart that he would be the center of our heart heavenly father i thank you dear god for the love that you shared with us god for each one that's here that knows you and is walking with you dear god i know lord that you bring deeper meaning and deeper understanding to life as we go along father there's some that have been hammered with things this year been difficult things dear god but they're standing today they're here this morning your God and can testify to the fact that you sustained them, that you brought them through, and that you're continuing to hold on to them, that you're giving them strength for each day. God, I pray that you would work in our lives. Lord, I know that every one of us, myself included, your God, there's things that need to be eradicated or changed in my life, set in order in my life, your God, and in each one of ours. God, I, I submit myself afresh to you today, and I say, Lord, have your way with me. God, would you reveal anything that's offensive to your God? And would you continue the process of refining and working with me, molding me and making me, God, so that I could more adequately represent you? And God, as we interact with the people that we come in contact with, Lord, whether it's that ornery person out on the street, your God, or whether it's a person at the grocery store that we're talking with, or in our jobs, your God, or family members, God, may our interactions be seasoned with your grace. And God, help us to find a way to express the Christ to them and not just bully up, dear God, or stick our chest out or, or uh, somehow try to defend our turf, dear God. But let us be understanding, dear God, and, and, and show Christ to them. And God, 
for all that you have accomplished in us, dear Lord, and all that we anticipate that you'll be doing in the future. Lord, I just say, God, we receive your anointing, dear God. I pray for a fresh release of your spirit and your power in the lives of this, your people. God, in our homes, your God, in our interactions in business, dear Lord, through our government, dear God, through, um, Lord, through our school system and the education system, dear God, in our families, dear God, in, in every phase or facet of life, dear God, I pray that you would infuse those environments with your presence, dear God, so that it becomes a life-changing experience for people that come in contact with us. And Lord, in all of this, may you be glorified. May you be lifted up, God, and may people that don't know you desire you and come to know you. And God, for this, we'll give you glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.